Amen, amen. Well, what's up, Everlast? We doing good? Good. Well, my name uh, is Tina. Uh, I am the young adult coordinator here, and Kevin, uh, who is our young adult pastor, uh, was the one that uh, emceed tonight. And so we're just so glad that you have joined us uh, as we are starting our brand new series, B. Uh, and as Kevin mentioned earlier, in this series, we are going to be going through different scriptures and commands that contain the word be, right? So some examples would be, no pun intended, verses like, be still and know that I am God, or be strong and let your heart take courage, or even verses like, do not be anxious about anything. And tonight, our B verse, if you will, is found in Proverbs twenty four nineteen, which says this, fret not yourselves, because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to Proverbs 24, verse 19. Uh, We're going to be in several passages of Scripture tonight, and so feel free uh, to follow along as we go. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back for you that our volunteers uh, or leaders can get to you as well. Uh, But as you're turning there, let's pray and ask God to Uh, Bless our time tonight uh, through his word. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we uh, come before you now. And God, we are thankful for your word. God, we are thankful for the work that uh, you're going to do in and through this place tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray, uh, God, that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, we pray. We pray this a lot, but we don't want information, Lord. Uh, we, we want transformation, God. And so, Lord, we're asking uh, that you would move in a mighty way tonight through your word. Lord, speak through me. God, I pray that you would, God, you would hide me behind the cross. Lord, we ask that uh, you would be glorified uh, in and through this place. Lord, we love you. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, I want to start, uh, start us off with a question tonight. And this is a rhetorical question. So this is one I just want you to think about your answer and response. Uh, it may be even helpful if you're a note taker. Uh, as I ask this question, just, just write your answer at the top of your notes. And so this is the question. If you and I were to sit down for coffee and I asked you, Hey, what is one thing that you desire God to answer? What is one desire in your life that you have gone to God with often in prayer and are still waiting on him to answer? What is is something that you long for and dream about? And and while you're thinking about that um, or writing it down, uh, I'll just give you a personal example. For me, uh, one of those desires is kids. Uh, Kevin and I long to be parents and have kids of our own. Uh, It is a prayer and desire that we have gone to God about uh, many times. And and it's a good desire. And it's one that we are still waiting on God to answer. That that, that is uh, a desire of ours. And so for you, what is that desire? As you may still be thinking about, or uh, most of you probably know immediately what that desire is and have already written it down, let me just give you a few examples. Maybe for you, it's healing. Uh, Maybe you have some health issues that you desire God to heal and answer. 
Uh, maybe for you, it's marriage. That you desire to be married, right? You, uh, you are uh, tired of, of being single. Uh, you feel like you've waited a long time and you're ready to do life with someone. Maybe for you, it's friends. You desire community. You, you desire people to come alongside you and be there for you. Maybe for you, it's family. It's that your family would come to know Jesus or that relationships within your family would be better. Whatever it is, I want to follow it up with this question. So again, think about your desire, what you wrote down or desires. And then the follow-up question with that is this. When someone else gets that desire or want that you have been praying for or dreaming about, what is your response towards them? That desire that you just listed If someone else were to get that thing that you desire and want, what is your response towards them? Are you happy for them? Do you celebrate them getting that very thing that you desire or want? Do you pray for them and ask the Lord to bless them in those things? Or is your response the opposite? You aren't really happy for them. Instead, you're upset with them. Your response tends to be one of bitterness, anger, malice, uh, even hate, uh, jealousy. Uh, Be honest. What what is your response? Because Everlast, if your answer to that question is that your response tends to lean more on the side of bitterness versus the side of blessings, uh, let me just lovingly tell you uh, that, that there is a heart issue that's going on there. And that heart issue is known as envy. Envy is the feeling of discontentment, unhappiness, or bitterness at the blessing of others. There is a negative emotional response to someone else having something that you don't have. There is a negative and emotional response to someone else's blessings. That's envy. And the reason I proposed those questions in the way that were presented tonight is because it's important for us to make sure we define envy correctly. A lot of people associate envy with wanting something that they don't have. When in fact, there isn't anything wrong with wanting something that you don't have. If that were the case, uh, we probably would never pray, right? If, if we didn't want things that we didn't have. That, that there is nothing wrong with wanting and desiring and praying for something that you don't have. Envy, however, becomes an issue and presents itself when someone else gets what you don't have and you don't like it. Your feelings are, I feel bad about that. You have a negative and emotional response to that. Envy is when you look at someone else and see they have more money, they have the marriage, they have the career, and that makes you feel bad. That's envy. It is having a negative response to someone else's blessings. And we see envy play itself out in many examples in Scripture. Uh, From the very beginning with Cain and Abel, uh, Genesis 4, 4 through 5 says this, The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Cain saw that Abel had blessings and favor from the Lord. And when Cain saw that, he became very angry. Envy. 
Or look at uh, David and King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Uh, David has just defeated Goliath in the previous chapter. And when he does that, uh, David starts to get some attention. And so Saul, because of David defeating Goliath, sends him out to uh, fight more battles. And David succeeds in those battles. He has many victories in those battles, right? And so David has some status now. He is well known for his victories. And because of that, in verse 7, look at what it says. It says this. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Next verse. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. King Saul was displeased with the blessing that David had and became very angry to the point that he eyed him from that day on, a.k.a. envy. I'll give you one more example. Going back to Genesis chapter 37, you find Joseph who was the son of Jacob. And in verse three, it says this. Now Israel loved Jacob more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made a robe of many colors, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now let's just talk about that for a quick second. Right, that, that's crazy, it wasn't like the brothers guessed that Israel loved Joseph more. The, the text is very clear here. The brothers looked over at Joseph and could see that their dad loved him more. There was no, sons, I love you all equally. Nope. It was, I love y'all, but I, I love Joseph more. That, that happened. To, to the point that his dad gives Joseph this coat that commentators say was a symbol to mean that you get the father's blessing and the father's status. And because of the favor and blessing of Joseph, his brothers hated him and couldn't even tolerate to even speak to him. They saw what their brother had that they didn't have. And in seeing those blessings, they had a negative emotional response of jealousy and hate. That is envy completely playing itself out. And everlasting, the truth is we all struggle with envy. If we were honest with ourselves, all of us would be able to think of moments when someone has said something to us in regards to their success and we weren't happy. You couldn't celebrate it. Now, you may not have said that out loud in the moment, but you were feeling it, right? Y'all know the moment. When someone says something about their success and your response is, awesome. Oh, you got that promotion? Happy for you. It's great, right? Or, oh, you guys are dating now? Cool. I'm just going to crawl into a hole. And what'd you say? Oh, nothing. Super excited for you. Or, oh, you, all, you guys all went bowling together? That's fun. I must have been doing something weird. Um, but so cool. Glad for you. You have friends. That happens. You may not have said that out loud, but inwardly, if we are honest, when people have shared their success with us or we see the success and blessing of others, you're not happy. In fact, you're sad. And I know, um, I know for me personally in my health journey, 
uh, when it started, and kind of just issues and symptoms started taking place. Uh, Before that, I could eat whatever I wanted. Food never affected me. And now, um, I get the privilege of being gluten-free, dairy-free, lots of other things free. And I can remember specific moments when I had to start changing my diet and, and what I ate. And people who I loved, okay, people who I loved would come over and they would be eating donuts or ice cream in front of me. And outwardly, I'm like, is that good? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's awesome. Cool. But inwardly, I'm like, I want nothing more than to just like grab that donut and just smear it all in your face. I'm serious. Like I was upset, right? That, that I couldn't eat those things and they could envy. And and for some of us in the room, envy has also played itself out when you rejoice when someone else gets disadvantaged. Meaning, in that moment when someone says, yeah, man, we, we, we broke up. Inside, you're happy about it. You find satisfaction when someone else fails or things don't go their way. It's this mindset of, if I'm single, they get to be single. If I can't be happy, they can't be happy. And so when disadvantages happen to them, something inside of you is relieved. And none of us want to admit that because that's kind of messed up. Listen, sin is messed up. Envy is messed up. And the Bible talks very specifically about the destructiveness that comes with envy. That the Bible warns against envy. The Bible commands us, do not be envious. Uh, we read this earlier in Proverbs 24, 19, but let's look at it again. Proverbs 24, 19 says this, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. Uh, this verse is instructing us word for word, do not be envious. And specifically it says, do not be envious over people who are prospering and doing wrong things. Meaning, everlast, there are going to be people who have the want and desire you have desperately been praying for that are prospering, that they're doing well, they are succeeding in life, and yet they are prospering even though they are doing wrongful and wicked things. And that is going to seem unfair. Yet God is saying, don't envy them. Don't, Don't waste another thought on it. The word of God also says in Galatians 5:26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. 1 Peter 2:1 says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. The Bible speaks very specifically on putting away envy and instructing us to not be envious towards one another. And the reason for that is envy is destructive. Everlast, if you let it envy, if you let envy run wild in you, it will ruin you. It will completely control you. It will control how you think. You will constantly be thinking of uh, and with a perspective of a competitive lens. That that comparison piece will start to play itself out. Am I prettier than them? Am I smarter than them? Am I better looking than them? Am I more athletic in them? Do I have more money than them? Do people like me more than them? Envy will consume your thought process. 
Even tonight, you may have walked into this room and not even realized that you started to compare yourself to someone else. Envy will control your thoughts. Envy will also control how you act. Your response won't just be inward, it will eventually be outward. Matthew 15, 18 says, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man. Our actions are a reflection of what is going down in our hearts. And a great example of of that is uh, we see that play itself out in the stories that we just mentioned. Cain, who was envious of his brother, let envy take root in his heart. And so his actions then led to the utter destruction of murdering his brothers. His brother. Envy led to murder. And then think about Saul. Envy destroyed Saul to where he spent, listen, the rest of his life consumed with envy, trying to kill David. And in the end, he ended up killing himself. He he took his own life. It destroyed him to the point of death. He allowed envy to take root, and the action that resulted from that was his own death and demise. And then you look at the story of Joseph and the envy that his brothers had for him. Right? They even plotted his death. But by God's grace, instead of murdering him, they ended up selling him into slavery. Which is a grace because God had more plans for Joseph. But still, the root of envy caused the action of Joseph being a free, from Joseph being a free man to now being in slavery. Envy will control your actions. Everlast, it will cause you to be self-focused instead of others-focused. It will cause you to complain instead of building others up. It will cause you to miss out and become blind to seeing the blessings that God has given you because you're so focused on what others have that you don't. It will cause you to miss out on and enjoy the plans that God has for you because you're so worried about the plans he has for someone else. Envy will control you. It's destructive. It will destroy you. Proverbs 27.4 says, Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before envy? Meaning, wrath and anger are bad enough. But envy, that takes the cake. That, that, that's even worse. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is life to the body. But envy is rottenness to the bones. It will destroy you from the inside out. Because the root issue of envy, listen to this, everlast, the root issue of envy uh, starts with what is going down inside your heart. And what envy shows about your heart is a heart that is discontent in Jesus. Envy is a byproduct of a heart that is not satisfied in Jesus. If you want to know why you are envious, why we struggle with envy, It's because at the root of envy is a heart that is trying to find its contentment, satisfaction, fulfillment in other things other than Christ. I love how one author said it. He said, envy seems to be born of a restless heart that does not find God satisfying. And everlast, the truth of the matter is, when we are yearning toward what somebody else has, It's because God himself is uh, not the one satisfying your soul. Instead, you are looking at what other people have, their success, their happiness, their gifts, their blessings, 
and you see that, and your response is, behold, you are God. Envy turns your eyes away from God and worships and elevates the gift above the giver. The reason we are envious is because of our lack of contentment in Jesus. If envy is alive in you, it's because you don't truly believe that God will satisfy you. And envy will cause you to run after other things that you think will bring you satisfaction, but they won't. And let me tell you, that is like running a race you will never be able to win. Think about that. That is like you running hard after the finish line and never getting there. Do you know how extremely tired, completely worn out, uh, self-depleted, both physically and mentally exhausted that that would be? Running after something that will never be accomplished. That's what envy does. It's you running after something that will never satisfy and everlast only Jesus can truly satisfy. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Psalm 107, 9 says, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Psalm twenty two twenty six says, The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Psalm sixteen eleven, In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Everlast, these aren't verses that just make us feel good. These are promises that Jesus really does truly satisfy. And let me just say this, I don't know what you wrote down earlier or or what your answer was on what you desired the most, but what is that one thing that you want God to answer? But if you believe that that desire, that thing that you wrote down will finally fulfill you or bring you complete satisfaction, everlast, you're in for a rude awakening because it will never be enough. Amen. Yeah, you can give God glory for that. Amen. Instead, what God offers to us is himself. Jesus exceeds our expectations, provides for our needs, and fulfills our desires. Christ alone can only provide the satisfaction and joy that we so desperately seek. If you are trying to find your satisfaction in other things, envy will soon follow. Envy is at the door knocking on the hearts of those who aren't content in Christ and aren't content with what God has for them. And when that takes place, we will swing the door wide open and let envy just come right on in. Envy causes us to fixate our eyes on what others have in light of what we don't. And envy causes us to make people the problem. And let me just say this, Everlast, your problem isn't with those people. Your problem isn't that they have the new boyfriend or girlfriend. Your problem isn't that they have the new job. Your problem isn't uh, the fact that they are successful. Your problem is the fact that you don't have the boyfriend or the girlfriend. Your problem is you want the new job. Your problem is that you want to be successful. You see, the issue isn't even that we are frustrated with others. The issue is actually, don't miss this, the issue isn't that we are frustrated with others. The issue is actually that we are frustrated with God. That's the real issue. 
we tend to make people the problem when in reality, they're just getting the brunt of our sin. Because the problem we really have isn't with, it, with them. The problem we have is with God. Because truth bomb here, God could have already given you a spouse. God could have made you smarter. God could have already given Kevin and I kids. God could have given you that job that you wanted, and he hasn't. God could have made you better looking, more athletic, more talented, given you more blessings, and he didn't. Your issue isn't really towards people. Your issue is with God. Because based off of what we know about Scripture is that God is sovereign. God is the one who dictates who gets what. And he does whatever he wants. Isaiah 46.10, God says, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Daniel 4.35 states, He does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? That is, nobody can stop it. Psalm 135.6, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all depths. God is in complete control. And so the problem isn't actually the person. The issue isn't with that person. Your issue is with God. And when you communicate, you have an issue with what someone else has, you're actually communicating, what you are actually communicating is that your problem is with God and not man. And listen, that stretches us. Because what envy wants us to believe is that God is out to get us. Envy wants us to believe if God is so good, then he would have already given me those desires and things that I want. Envy causes us to believe that God robs us of everything we want rather than gives you all the things you need. Envy makes you believe that God is cruel when in fact he is a loving God who knows what's best for you. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those are called according to his purpose. God is good. He isn't trying to cheat you. He is for you. He's not against you. And we have to trust him even when everlast. We don't see the full picture. Going back to our example we found in the book of Genesis with our friend Joseph, it says Joseph was sent into slavery because scripture says that God ordained it. Why? Because God had a bigger picture in mind that Joseph couldn't see at the time. And here's what happened. If you don't know the story, years later, Joseph ends up being the advisor to Pharaoh and reunites with his brothers and says this in Genesis 45. This is at the end of verse 5, Genesis 45. Uh, Joseph is speaking to his brothers and says this. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. The, this famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will, be nothing, uh, there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Joseph goes as far as to say that even though his brother sold him into slavery, that God was the one who was in control over the whole thing. In fact, he was the one uh, who had him go through all of the things so that he would be the advisor to Pharaoh to keep his brothers alive. And when we read this, we can see, oh, 
God's plan was good in this. We were able to see the full picture. But Joseph didn't know God's plan, what God's plan was when he was first sold into slavery. He, he didn't know what God had in store for him. And just like us, listen, there may be things that you desire and things you want. And it may seem that other people have those things and it feels unfair and it is hard. But we can't see the full picture. And God promises that he is working all things for the good of those who love him. And I love this verse because it doesn't just say some things, right? It says he works all things. Meaning that when we look at the things we don't have, the things that we desire to have, we can know that God is good even in the waiting, even in the withholding. He is working something out for your good in your current circumstance. Everlast envy makes God the problem. Envy makes us have a problem with God, and God is not the problem. God isn't robbing you or out to get you. In fact, God's word says, in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, that he cares for you. God's word says that he gives good gifts to you, Matthew 7, 11. God's word says that he will give us what we need, Hebrews 13, 21. God's word says that he loves you with a great love, 1 John 3, 1. God isn't robbing you. God cares for you. He loves you. He knows what's best for you, and he is really good. Everlast envy will destroy you and cause you to make God the issue. And God is not the issue. The issue is what is going down in the heart, which is a lack of contentment in Christ. And listen, most of us in the room, if, if not majority of us uh, in the room who are believers in Christ, it's not like we want to be envious, right? If we're pursuing Jesus, none of us want to envy. Um, that's not something we want to struggle with, right? It's not fun and doesn't have a fun outcome either. But knowing that it is a problem and can be a problem is good for us to talk through what the Bible says on it. And it's also important so we know how not to be envious. If you're sitting in the room tonight and you are struggling with envy, it's important to know how to, it's important to know how to combat envy. So what do we do in order to not be envious? If you are taking notes, these are some just great ways to combat envy. Number one, we combat envy through our thanksgiving. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. If you were in the room tonight, and listen, you had food today, you had clothes on your back, you can hear this message, you can see me up here talking, you are sitting with a friend, you had a way to get here tonight, you have a bed to go home to, you got up this morning, and you are currently bringing, breathing with every breath in your lungs, all given to you by God. Let me tell you something. You are blessed. And there are blessings there that we tend to often overlook. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And when we can write out the blessings that God has given to us, 
And when we can start to thank him for those blessings, our attitude and our mind shifts from worrying about what others have, and instead we can be thankful for what we do have. A way in which we combat envy is by seeing and being thankful for the blessings God has given us. And so I would just encourage you to do that. A lot of times we will give application pieces in messages or, hey, here's some practical things, and it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Man, I would just really encourage you in the moments that envy starts to rear its ugly head to start thanking God in the moments of all the blessings that he's currently given you. Secondly, how do we combat envy? We combat envy through prayer. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We pray for one another. Uh, Kevin and I quote Pastor Al on this, I think maybe every message, but it's so good and it's so applicable. And Pastor Al says, when you bless you can rest. When we pray for that person we have envy towards, when we pray and ask God to bless them, when we pray and thank God for how he has blessed them and that God would use their blessings to glorify him, it takes our heart heart posture from a place of envy and resentment to a place of praise and humility. It takes our attitude from a place of grumbling and discontentment to a place of contentment and joy. We pray for others, uh, and then we also pray for our own hearts. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God doesn't just hear our prayers everlasting. He answers them. And when we come to him asking him, God, would you remove envy? Asking him to make us more like him, that he would transform our hearts. Scripture says that God hears us and helps us. That's why Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why we are instructed to pray so that we won't enter into the temptation of envy. Everlast prayer is a weapon. You want to fight against envy? Pray. Third way in which we combat envy, we combat envy with the gospel. Reminding ourselves of the greatest gift and blessing we have, which is Jesus himself. That's because Jesus, the son of God, died for our sins and rose again so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy because Jesus did that for us. We have the greatest blessing and the greatest gift in the world, a relationship with him that exists now and forever. And everlasting, when we remind ourselves of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, all the other things that we so desperately want, all the other things we see other people get that we don't have, when we remind ourselves of the good news that we have for believers in Christ, listen, those things become very, very, very minuscule in comparison to our great reward that is in Jesus. I love how one author put it. She said, the best gift 
he can give me is not health or prosperity or happiness, but more of himself. A blessing that can never be taken away. A blessing that grows richer with time and lasts throughout eternity. Everlast, you want to know how to fight envy? You fixate your eyes on Jesus and you look to the cross and the work that Jesus has accomplished for you. You have the greatest blessing you could ever hope for or imagine. And when we do that, we can trust him. That that he really is for our good. And that he isn't out to get us. That, That we can bring him all of our wants and desires. And I can lay them at the feet of Jesus and truly say, I trust you with what you've given me. God, I trust you with what you have not. I trust you with what you're going to do. And I trust you that you know my heart's desires. You know what I need and what I don't. You know all things from beginning to end. And because I trust you, I can be content with whatever may come to pass. You want to combat envy? Thank him. Praise him. Pray to him. And remind yourself of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. That the best gift and blessing we could ever have in Jesus himself. Everlast, envy is a cancer that will continue to spread and will consume you if you let it. Don't be envious. Instead, would we be a ministry that is content in Christ? A ministry that surrenders over our desires, our wants, and and we can walk in peace knowing that God has us and is for us. And that in his control and sovereignty, his plans are still to prosper. He hasn't forgotten you. Everlast, would we be a ministry that our eyes are, when our eyes are so fixated on Jesus, that when we look at what uh, what we look at what becomes of other people, it's neither here nor there. It's all good. But I don't have to envy because I trust God with what he has given me and what he hasn't because I know that he is good. Amen? Let's pray.